you know, that ought to make a difference in a church service when God is here. Amen. Hallelujah. If God wasn't here, then what are we doing here? There's no hope for us. We're helpless, hopeless people. We're no different from the world about us. But the Bible calls us a different people, a peculiar people. And we're not talking just about Sister Chamberlain. All of us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. That, that means unique in a very personal, real spiritual sense. Amen. There's nobody on this planet but God's people that are called God's people. No one can call him father truly but us. No one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Mouthing the words is meaningless. But when the Holy Spirit unctions that to us and we're truly saved it makes all the difference in the world praise god god is here today his wonders to perform glory to the lord glory to the lord we're so grateful and we're so thankful praise god hallelujah father we thank you we praise you your great name the name of Jesus is a mighty name. When, and on our Let's talk about Jesus broadcast. If you get a chance to take about a half an hour to get the word of God down into your life and your spirit. Uh, we have a, a, a wonderful, uh, I just read every verse of, of uh, the great Christian hymn that is so full of correct theology and correct truth from the scripture. A mighty fortress is our God. And what a, I could preach that, that whole song, every verse of it is so biblical, so scriptural, so truthful about the Lord. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Amen. When the Bible speaks of his keeping power, you have to know about this kind of God and this kind of heavenly father. Praise God. Amen. There are more people here. I want you to join us in prayer since you are not here for our intercession for Brother Taylor. He's back at the hospital today because about 2 or 3 this morning somewhere his blood pressure started spiking. I told the people before I'm going to tell you it's not unusual to pray for something and have a, a battle begin. The moment we pray, spiritual warfare begins to occur. Uh, that's held true throughout all of Scripture. And uh, the battle mainly is in our mind. And that's why the Bible said, In all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your keep. Everybody say keep. Keep your heart and your mind. Amen. If you choose to listen to the Bible study to set a tone for the new year, God wants to bless you. So instructed me to read the blessing that God told Aaron to pronounce upon the children of Israel from the heart and purpose and promise of God. And what a blessing it is. The Lord bless and keep you. That's the way it begins. And we take each one of those principles. God hasn't changed. The God we're serving is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The dispensation of how his grace flows and mercy has changed. But God has not changed. And he blessed his covenant people then. And we have a new covenant 
We don't lose any of the old covenant, but we add to the old covenant blessings the blessings provided through the shed blood of Jesus. And I just read, I like to compare the covenants. I read from Psalm 103, the old covenant, and it ain't bad. How many know if the old covenant's that good, the new covenant's even better? Would you like to hear an old covenant blessing? God wants you to walk in it. He would like you and I to be an advertisement for, for His faithfulness, an advertisement to the world. We're peculiar people. We have a God to call upon. You know what? Everybody without Christ, the Bible said they're without God and without hope in this present world. That's why they drink up and toke up and smoke up and do everything they can to numb themselves to the helplessness and hopelessness that they feel. We're, we're the most prosperous country in the world materially with more books on how to be happy. Isn't that an incredible thing that the most prosperous country in the world has the most unhappy, depressed people? And suicide is one of the major killers of young people, the ma- more than cancer and auto wrecks and all of those things. Suicide is the killer of young people because when people feel helpless and they become hopeless then they go into a depression that is so deep and so dark and by the way every christian from time to time will have this this issue come up it's easy to become depressed even as a christian we shouldn't be you know why we become depressed because we're oppressed sometimes the devil can oppress he cannot possess but he certainly can oppress. Have you ever had a day where you just feel like God was so distant that he's up there somewhere, but he's way up there somewhere, but he's not right here where I need him right now. And that's just because your emotions are feeling something that is keeping you from sensing the presence of the Lord. He's keeping his promise. He's there. You just can't sense his presence. Sometimes in a service, the presence of God will come in a room and you sense him. I want you to know something. When you sensed him is not when he showed up. Can you say, man, that's when you laid your burdens down, got your focus on him, and was able to identify with spiritual things instead of just your raw emotions. And your emotions will get raw from time to time. I've got a mandate from God. I've got an instruction from the Lord to build the kind of faith into his people that we can receive based on faith and not feeling. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is one of five of your senses that tell you everything about the physical material world. Taste, hearing, sight, smell and touch. Amen. Boy, it smells good. Wow. Wow. Boy, hold your arm up here. Wow. No, I want, I want, to, I want, I want the bicep. Wow, that bicep is out of sight. Man, he's been lifting a lot of books. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. It tells us everything, everything. Your five physical senses tell you everything about the physical world, but it doesn't tell you anything about the spirit realm. Nothing about the spirit realm. 
And that's why the Bible said, if you want to win victory over the flesh, you've got to walk in the spirit that you might not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can you say amen? Since it doesn't tell you anything about the spirit realm, your first information that is supposed to override and supersede those five natural senses is the word of God. If God says, I'm with you, you don't wait to feel to see if it's true. You accept it by faith. But the wonderful thing about when you accept something by faith, it begins to change the way you feel. But it starts with faith. It doesn't start with feeling. While we, the scripture said, while we do not look at the things that are seen, for they are temporal. Everything you can see with your natural eyes in the natural world, and therefore it is temporal. Literally, it, it is subject to change. If time lasts long enough, that, that picture is not going to stay that pretty and that pristine. If time lasts 300 years from now, that picture won't look like that. You come on back to church then and I'll show you. Can you say amen? 300 years from now, that picture will be changed. It won't stay that way. Your body is in the process of changing. Amen. And I like the, the mixture of the gray in your hair. But it has changed. I have watched it change. Amen. Mine is changing, if you haven't noticed. Amen. I think you've got a little change going on. You've got a change going on. Amen. If Mike grew a beard, we might see some gray in it. I think we ought to Photoshop him and, and put, a, put a beard on him and just see, see the change that might occur. Amen. Some of you ladies might have a mustache if you just let it grow. But anyway, moving right along, we'll see. We'll see about that. My wife, you know, anyway, we, we won't even go there. We won't even, Sister Venable's not here to defend herself. I'm not going to talk about that. Everything. You're, in a, you're a human being. You're not going to sense God's presence when your emotions are raw and inflamed by hurt or depression or anything that you may be feeling and sensing in this material, physical world. So the scripture says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, for they are temporal. We look. Now, this is the, this is the eye of faith. Everybody say the eye of faith. We, we do not look at the things which are seen. For they are temporal, but we look at the things which are unseen, for they are eternal. That's why the Bible said of Christ, whom having not seen through the natural eye, but through the eye of faith, we have seen. You can't love what you haven't seen, but you can love what you've seen. And you can see through the eye of faith, and you can see through the absolute authority of Scripture. Amen. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they be they that testify of me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. How many would like to get to a place in faith where you can see beyond the natural, the physical, the material, and you can live above your natural senses. Amen. And just trust God anyhow, Amen. no matter how you feel. And no matter if something goes in reverse that you've been praying for, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. 
For the things that are seen is temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal. God wants you to begin to look through the eye of faith. That's why he told Joshua when they came up against Jericho, this impregnable, seemingly impossible city to take. He's... He starts by taking him up and showing him the impossible physically, the impossible materially. This city called Jericho, no one could ever breach those walls, no army, let alone little old Israel's army. And you know what the first thing God tells him? He said, see, he's looking at the impossible physically, militarily. And he says, see, I have given you. Past tense, this city. No crack in the wall. No change in the circumstance. And God is telling Joshua, see? See what? You have to look beyond the circumstance. The things that are impossible with men, what changes that? The things that are impossible with men are possible with, with, with. And God is with Israel. And he's with us today. God is here. His wonders to perform. Praise God. What a shame it would be to come in here and not have God address your need today. Since God is here. And Christ is here. Whom having not seen, you love. And you love Him with a deep devotion. With joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. See, I've given you the city. I've given you the, 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 the army that's within that city. This city from this point forward is your city. So don't look at the circumstance anymore. Listen to God's word. And then act on God's word. Amen. Walk around it. Praise God. Amen. In defiance of them to keep you from taking it. <laughs> and, and take the ark before you, praise God. Amen. And walk around that city. No military strategy to overcome the natural circumstances. A simple act of faith on the word of God. Amen. And if you don't ever get beyond that, you will live as a Christian, not as a peculiar person in the sense that you have a God to call upon. You have a father in heaven and you have faith in him. And it makes a difference when you go through things and someone in the world that's without hope and without God in this present world. The devil wants every Christian to live as helpless and hopeless as the world about them. So that the world says, well, you're a Christian, you go to church, you ain't faring no better than me. Well, I am. I'm faring better. Amen. I had a stroke and didn't end up in a wheelchair. I had a bad stroke and didn't lose my ability to speak. Have you noticed? Devil would love me to, to, to not be able to open my jaw. He would love me to, to be in therapy for a couple of years and walk the rest of my life with, with like my son had a light stroke and lost the use of this arm. I had a big stroke that put me in the floor. They didn't even keep him in the hospital. He just got numb on this side of his face. And that started all of his physical problems. He never felt worthy to be healed because of his past. He felt like he brought this on himself because my son was an alcoholic from the time he was 17 years old. 
That's when I took him to a doctor in Temple Terrace that told him that if he kept drinking, uh, he would not live beyond 50 years of age because the alcohol was particularly damaging to his liver. And by 17, he already had liver damage. He began, began to drink when he joined a Christian band. They led him into alcohol. They didn't become alcoholics, but he did. Everybody doesn't become an alcoholic. You say, Brother Venable, a little wine for the stomach's sake. Listen, listen. If it, <laughs> let's, let's don't go too far into that. But I want to tell you this. I may be able, and I'm not going to. I'm a teetotaler. I may be able to drink a little wine with a meal and never become an alcoholic and become addicted. But someone seeing me drink that glass of wine may take the same glass of wine and get hooked for the rest of their life. And for the sake of my testimony and for the sake, Paul's, Paul put it this way. He said, all things are lawful for me. All things are not good for me. They're not expedient for me as a Christian. So sometimes we're just looking to ha see how much we can get by with. Can you say amen? Instead of looking how close can we live to God. To be the best witness we can for Christ. And to never become a stumbling block to a weaker brother or sister. Amen. I've had people, even preachers say, show me in the Bible where it's sin. Come on. Grow up. Can you say, man, the sin is that you're wanting to push the envelope. You're wanting to see how far to push the limits of grace so you can indulge your flesh. That's where the sin is. It's not just a specific thing. It's a general attitude that says, what can I get away with and still indulge my flesh and still be a follower of Jesus? Amen. That's not how you live your Christian life. The way you live your Christian life is what can I do? To run this race in such a way to bring honor to my king and to, and to encourage everyone else that is watching my life. Amen. We're living epistles. And the Bible said we're written and read of all men. People read us. They see us. It makes a difference. God would like you to be different. Is it okay with you that God wants you to be peculiar in the sense that you have a God to call upon? You have a faithful father. It's supposed to make a difference in how you live. And if you're not living in that victory, in that place of peace and power, God wants you to. I lost my son a little over a year ago. There are people that never get over losing a child. God, God's grace is sufficient. My son is with the Lord. He came all the way back to God. Hallelujah. He wanted to go home. He quit talking about heaven. We talked about heaven for about a year before he passed away. But about three months before he passed away, we never talked about heaven again. Every reference to heaven, Alan called it home. When I get home, when I get home, when I get home. There's a country music song uh, that's Christian that says, when I get to where I'm going. Can you say man? And my son just began to detach from the earth and attach to heaven. And he kept calling it home. So what happened to him was a home going for him. And that's why he told me he knew he wanted it. He cried out to God for it. His body was breaking down 
And he had such guilt because of all the abuse he had done over the years to his body that he didn't feel he was worthy of healing. Boy, I tried to preach to him like I'm preaching to some of you here that the devil, he's what? He's the accuser of the brethren. I had a, a, a service for Buddy Green and Buddy Green had lived. They used to call him Mean Buddy Green. Because he got into a lot of fights, but he began to soften. He came to church there for a while when we were in the in Sulphur Springs. He came about a year ago for a while, but he had a running battle with depression because he had asked people he had hurt to forgive him, and they forgave him. He had asked God to forgive him, and according to the Scripture, God forgives those that ask him for that forgiveness. But you know what his problem was that kept him depressed? He wouldn't accept that he was forgiven and forgive himself. I went to pray for Ronald Short. Ronald Short used to play bluegrass uh, guitar and my dad bluegrass fiddle. And they were part of a band there for a while. And I went to visit him in the hospital. He had stomach cancer. And, oh, I had just seen a miracle of healing in our church where a lady came on a Wednesday night service. And they were going to have to take out uh, a, a part of her intestine because of, of cancer in, in her intestines and give her a colostomy. And, uh, and she was scheduled for the surgery to try to get the cancer, and, and, and uh, they, they said, we'll have to take out so much of your intestine, there won't be enough to reattach, so we'll have to put the bag on your side. She came on a Wednesday night service to church. And on that Wednesday night service, she came down for prayer. She lived in Zephyr Hills, went to Assembly of God in Zephyr Hills. We prayed for her. Amen. And God touched her. She went back to the doctor for the final uh, x-rays before they performed the surgery to get her ready and to know exactly where they were going to go and get the team together and they went looking for the cancer trying to get an idea of where to cut and what they were facing and they couldn't find it anywhere not only did she not have to have the colostomy she didn't have to have the surgery and she was pronounced cancer free and a year later i got a phone call from this dear woman and she called she said you know i was in church this morning sharing my testimony about going to tampa to a little church in sulfur springs and having prayer and what god did for me and she said it occurred to me i haven't told you <laughs> and i thought please <laughs> tell me amen i need to hear these things when the lord the bible said publish his doings where Right here among the people. Because there's people in here need to know that God is still on the throne and God is still faithful and God still hears and answers prayer and Christ still heals today. Can you say, man, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. Amen. What a testimony. When I went to pray for Ronald... I went in with faith in my heart because God had just healed this woman. That miracle had occurred. Previous to that, Annette, Sister Rose's sister, acquaintance, 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 had come to church with cancer in her female organs. She came to church with an addiction to drugs. 
She was living with someone who was dispensing drugs. She had a habit because of so much drugs available of several hundred dollars a day to sustain that habit. When he was arrested and put in jail, she had no way of earning enough in any way to get the money to get the drugs. So she's now going through that drug withdrawal. She's lost her three children because they took him away because of the drug abuse in that home. So now the children are in a foster home when Annette comes. She has been diagnosed with cancer in her female organs. She comes to church because she told her sister, I'm just going to take my life. I have nothing left to live for. And I see the world is with, that is without God is without hope in this present world. I'm going to take my life. She said, listen, do one thing for me. Come to church with me Sunday morning. Come to church with me Sunday morning. Before you do anything, come to church with me Sunday morning. And it was in one of those Sunday morning anointed services where God showed up and God showed out that she came forward at the end of that service to accept Christ as her Lord and her personal Savior. Amen. The first thing that happened was when she accepted Jesus as her Savior, she lost that addiction. God delivered her from her sin and from that addiction. She didn't go through a methadone treatment. She didn't go through withdrawal. Hallelujah. God set her, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. God set her free. She came back on an evening service to have prayer for her body. And those that were there that saw it gave this testimony. She went downstairs to the bathroom after prayer and passed the cancer. And today she's alive and well and as far as I know still serving God. She got her family back. And the Tampa Tribune was so impressed with the change in this woman's life. They did an article in the Tampa Tribune, which she hated. Because she, for an hour... They listened to her testimony and they left everything about God out to be politically correct. And she said, if I'd known that, I wouldn't even talk to them. Because without God, none of this would have occurred. But what had impressed them was that she went from the guttermost to the uttermost. Scripture says he's able to save them to the uttermost who come to God by, through Jesus Christ seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. Somebody praying for you today with perfect faith. Somebody praying for you and me today that is praying in the perfect will of God. Would you like to know who is interceding for you right now? His name is Jesus. He is not only your Savior, he is the high priest of heaven that's praying in intercession for you. That gives me courage today. Amen. I mean, I would love to have Or Roberts pray for me when he was highly anointed in his tent meetings. I would love to have Billy Graham pray for me because he's pure heart with God. Amen. But to have Jesus praying for me, it's, it's hard for me to stay down when I got somebody like that lifting me up. Can you say amen? 
Who's praying for you today? Well, my pastor, I remember her when she went through some surgical procedure and said, have you called Brother Venable to church for prayer? She said, no, I, my pastor's praying for me because I had testified to the fact that I walk and talk. Amen. You know what that means? My walk and talk. That's when I get out and I just go walking and I start calling your names before the Lord. Hallelujah. And when I come to a name and I pray and I don't know how to pray exactly, the Lord kind of stops me. I just stop walking and wait on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I begin to pray in an, in other tongues for the Spirit knows and searches the deep things. Hallelujah. And deep calls to deep. And then when I feel the release, I just continue my walk and pray for somebody else. Hallelujah. Because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the person that I'm praying to. Hallelujah. I believe God listens. In fact, the psalmist said he bends down and listens when I pray. He inclines his ears, the King James, but in actual practical use of that Hebrew term, it means he bends down and listens. Can you imagine? What does that do for your prayer life? Does it make you want to pray more and pray in, in greater faith and confidence? Well, it's one thing for me to pray for you. I always pray the prayer of faith. And I pray with compassion and the love of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, there's somebody greater than me that's praying for you and me. Amen. The Bible said he, Jesus, is able to save them, us, to the uttermost that comes to God through him. Seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. That means Christ is in the presence of God interceding for you and me. That's why there's more with us than there is with them. The Satan and all of his cohorts and minions. Because Jesus, Jesus constitutes the majority. Can you say, man, hallelujah, he has all power in heaven and earth. And he's using that in our behalf. What a gracious God that we serve here today. Hallelujah. This is the sermon. I suppose this is the sermon. Amen. Somebody accused me of being led of the Spirit yesterday. What a wonderful accusation. Amen. But Buddy Green's memorial service yesterday, by the way. Amen. His sister was there. And they would bring their mother in a wheelchair up those steps of the Holy Church of God. Bring her down to encounter the presence of God. And said, why do you, why do you, we could take her to a church that's you know, easy to get in, easy to get out. And she said, no, I want to go to Brother Venables. I want to go to Brother Venables. And they said, well, what is it about Brother Venables? She said, because I can feel the presence of God there. Amen. Well, the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ healed Annette. Delivered her from drug addiction. Healed the cancer in her body. Amen. And then she got all of her children back because they saw the change in her. The radical change when God worked his wonders in our midst. And we got to see it for ourselves. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
There's a lot of churches that say they're Pentecostal or charismatic or full gospel, but we don't see the wonders occurring that is promised in the Word of God. We have got very confident in our ability to preach, our ability to teach, our ability to organize, our ability to put forth programs that are very engaging and very entertaining, but to encounter the presence of God. Let me let me say this. I want to pat all of us on the shoulder here today that realize there's more and we want more and we're not going to be satisfied with anything less than all that God has promised in his word so that we might bring glory to him. Amen. Amen. What, ha- what happens when he delivers us? We praise him. Amen. We give him honor. We give him glory. Hallelujah. And the scripture said in Psalm 50, the last verse, whoso Offereth praise, glorifieth me, and to him that orders his conversation aright, to him will I show the salvation of God. Every time you see salvation in the Old Testament, it's not talking about the salvation of the blood-washed people in the New Testament. Salvation means deliverance. God comes through. God heals. God helps. God sends angels We'll see that again if we bring honor to Him through our gratitude and our praises. People listen to a choir. They don't necessarily worship themselves, but they are entertained by the emotionalism. Amen? People, listen, I've seen it. I've seen people turn it on like a switch and become very emotional while they're singing or testifying. But then when it comes time to sit and hear the Word of God, some people are out smoking their cigarette. Some people are out just, you know, chit-chatting. It's not important that I worship. It's only important that I be seen worshiping on Sunday. You watch the pastor sitting there. His mind is on his sermon. He's got to impress everyone with his knowledge He's in the book trying to think up inspiring things to say. Everybody's worshiping. He's sitting there like a bump on the log. I'd like to see the pastor worship. I like to see preachers worship. I think every preacher needs to worship as enthusiastically as anybody in the church. We watched the choir sing one Easter morning, a lady that used to attend our church for many, many years, in fact, decades. Went to another church and was singing in their choir. It was a big church with a big choir. And this was their Easter morning service. My wife and I turned that thing on and we said, There's so-and-so. Looky there. There's so-and-so. And this whole choir was singing some resurrection victory song. And they were in their robes. They were standing in their robes. And their song leader was giving them the cues. And they were standing before the audience arrayed in their robes, singing those songs of victory without any motion or emotion. And we thought, that's kind of weird. This is a victory song. makes me want to do something. Smile. (laughs) You know, you won't break your makeup. Go ahead and smile. Do something other than just stand there and perform to the audience. You see, real worship is not, it's not horizontal. It's not performing to an audience. It's vertical. 
magnify the Lord. Listen to the vertical with me. Let us exalt His name together. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But we kept, we were looking for that person as the, as the camera would come back and scan that choir. And everybody's stoic. And there was a person that was, had their hands up, their eyes closed, going back and forth like this. And I said, yep, that's one of ours. I was so proud of that person. I said, yeah, they didn't get, they didn't get, they didn't get to become part of the frozen chosen. They learned how to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not emotionalism, but it involves the emotions. Scripture says, serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Gladness is a genuine human emotion. Serve the Lord with a heart attitude that bring, makes you glad. All ye lands. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. First his attitude and then the expression of what's in our heart to God through our, our lips. Come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. Make a joyful I make joyful noises. I make joyful noises. I was in a Baptist church preaching with a neck mic. And I made a joyful noise. I got so full of joy, I just went, Oh, hallelujah. And I saw the sound man. He's wearing headphones. His eyes bugged out. And he looked like, like his eardrums had burst. And he jerked off the headphones and shook his head like that. I thought I see my dog do that the other day. Just shake his head like that. Something down in his ear canal. And I realized, you know, this sound man is not used to a joyful noise. Everything is monotone. But I guarantee you if I ever if I ever get to preach there again, <laughs> if they'll ever have me back. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I believe that he will keep his earphones at a Pull them out when I start preaching. I make no apology for the joy of the Lord. God said, shout to those circling Jericho. For the Lord again, past tense, seeing through the eye of faith. For the Lord has given you the city. Shout because he has and there's no crack in the wall. Looking square at the physical material, there's an impossibility. And he says, now it's time to express your faith with a shout of victory. Shouting before the victory brings the victory. Yeah, because God has promised victory. So we don't shout after the fact. Anybody can, doesn't require any faith at all to praise God after the answer comes. It does require faith, however. To praise God so the answer can come. Amen. Amen. To begin to thank Him. You know what I did after prayer for an issue in my body? I began to thank Him for healing. Well, you don't do that until healing is manifest. No, you're wrong. You don't wait for the healing to be manifest to praise God for the answer. Do you have a promise? Do you have a promise? Is He a promise keeper? then do we wait to see it as if he probably, he may not keep his promise to me? No, we go ahead and praise him. We just go ahead and praise him. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed 
And what happened? Or were they waiting for something to happen to thank Him and give Him praise? Did they pray and sit there like a bump on the log, faithless, doubtful, fearful? Immediately, something happened. Paul and Silas, and they're going to kill them the next morning, by the way. They're just being held over till the Sabbath's over. They're going to kill them the next day. And they prayed and sang praises. Everybody said, pray and sang praises. When's the last time you prayed and immediately started praising Him for the answer? Soon as you're done praying. Well, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. If you believe that and you release your faith when you pray, start thanking Him. Start thanking Him. Start thanking Him. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Can you say amen? Start thanking Him. Get your praise on. It's time to get your praise on. Don't wait for that soloist to hit the high C. Hallelujah. To get your praise on. That's just stimulating your emotions. Praise Him because He's God. Praise Him because He's good. Praise Him because He gave His Son for you. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and me. In everything and for everything. Every good thing. And it's all good from God. Hallelujah. If we never get past our emotions and our flesh, we will be ruled and limited by our emotions and flesh. And God wants to be released to move in your behalf and mine. God wants to be released. You see, the devil can't stop him. Circumstances can't stop him. And the devil knows that. But there, there, are, there is that that can limit him. They turn back. If they hadn't turned back, he would have given the first generation Jericho. He would have given the first generation the promised land. A 10-day journey took 40 years. Because of one singular reason. Psalm 78 says it very clearly. How oft did they tempt him in the wilderness? Yea, they turned back. And listen, this is crucial and limited and limited and limited and limited and limited. Remember how they began to limit him in the wilderness? What did they say? They said, can God furnish? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness. Amen. And you're welcome to come right this way and have a seat right here. We're glad that you're here today. Amen. One thing about coming to a, a Pentecostal meeting, you can never be late. Can you say amen? Because there's going to be, there's going to be enough leftovers for everybody. <laughs> and we're getting down to the leftovers, but there are plenty of it. Listen, Psalm 78, 40 and 41 I believe it is in your Bible. How often did they tempt him in the wilderness? 
In the book of Hebrews, there is a word about that word and that circumstance. In the book of Hebrews, it said, it said, let not any of you have an evil heart of unbelief. None of you that would just absolutely disbelieve God. Amen. How oft did they tempt him? Yea, they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did it. If you ever wonder why the enemy of your soul, the devil, works double time on you and me, it's because he can't stop God. Circumstances can't stop God. There's nothing. Ah, I love Jeremiah because it starts out with an overwhelming expression of his absolute, the awesomeness of God, his greatness and his goodness. And he says, ah, and we read it this way, A-H, ah, Lord God. No, there's got to be, if there's an ah, there's emotion in that. There's enthusiasm in that. There's an overwhelming sense of the greatness and goodness of God in that. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it from the scripture, although my Bible's not open. Ah, Lord God. Thou hast made heaven and earth by thine outstretched hand, and there is nothing too difficult for thee. Ah! We need to get back the sense of awe so we can get back our ah, Lord God. The Bible said, let all the world stand in awe, A-W-E, of him. Speaking of his creative power alone. The universe itself declaring his glory. Let all the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. We go all the way back to Genesis and we see God in operation. Let there be a firmament. He spoke. And guess what? There was a firmament. And what is the firmament? Every galaxy, every universe that we can possibly see and beyond. He created it with just the spoken word of his mouth. Hallelujah. And all scripture is what? Inspired by the... Yes, absolutely. That's it. All scripture is... is Given by inspiration, that's it. And you know what that word inspiration means in the Greek? God breathed. That's why Jesus said, my words are not like any other words that you will ever hear or anyone could ever speak. The words I speak to you, they are spirit, that's it. And I'm glad you came to help me preach today. <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah. They are spirit. And they. sometimes I get ahead of myself. They are spirit and they are life. God, God shapes a shape of a human being when he made Adam, but that, that person had no life, no spirit within him, and God breathed into him. When you go to the Word of God and realize it's got the same life in it, hallelujah, that God breathed into Adam and his own life now is invested in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Word of God is, is given by the inspiration of God. Literally, God breathed. Hallelujah. You want to know what kind of wind came on the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit came to uh, come within man, not just come to the earth, but come within God's servants. The Bible said there was a sound from heaven. Like a mighty 
rushing wind. Hallelujah. God breathed on. Oh, a preview had been given of what was going to occur. Jesus stood and spoke to his disciples and said these exact words. It said he first breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. God's going to breathe on you. Just like I breathe my breath on you, God, who is a spirit, is going to breathe his breath on you. Only his, his breath is spirit and life. <laughs> and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead then is dwelling in you and dwelling in me. Praise God, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword it's not like anything else in all of the world and we read it without the all and therefore we read it without the ah but when we read it with all let all the world stand in what all of him his greatness and his goodness say it with me his greatness and his goodness Hallelujah. Let all the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And that's why the centurion that came for his, his servant. He said, I got a servant that I love like a son. Jesus is teaching. And the centurion comes as a centurion was, was over 100 men. That's why the word century is used in centurion 100 years. He was a captain over a hundred, but he had a servant he loved like a son who was sick unto death. And he came where Jesus was teaching. And he approached Jesus and he said, he said, Jesus, I, I, I need you to, to heal my servant. I've got a servant and he's sick unto death and, 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 and and he approaches Jesus with this humility and this sense of unworthiness because he had surely shed blood with his sword in the Roman legions. And he felt like he wasn't worthy. And Jesus, I love Jesus' response. He's so responsive to the cry of need and of help. Amen. He said, I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. Oh, but listen carefully. I will come and heal him. But you know what the centurion said? I am not worthy that you should set foot under my roof. But, but, but speak the word. <laughs> Hallelujah. You, he commands and it stands fast. He speaks and things happen. I mean, miracles and wonders occur. All he has to do is speak the word. And what's in your Bible? What's laying in your lap? The Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my Word will stand and withstand forever and ever. Age without end. That's why faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I don't know what Trump tweeted. I do not know what Trump tweeted last week, but I know what God said last week. Can you say man? Therefore, I don't care what Trump tweeted. And I don't care what some celebrity had to say on, on Facebook. But I am deeply committed to what God has said to me in His Word. Can you say man? Hath He not said it? 
And will he not do it? Can you say, man, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. He will never have to apologize to you or me for anything that he has said. We may need to apologize for him for not believing what he said. Amen? But he's not going to apologize to you and me for what he said. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it? And will he not do it? Can you say man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. I have been instructed to instill faith to receive into God's people this coming year. And I need help from you to do that. I need you to get in the Word of God. I need you to receive the Word of God and let it get in you. Amen. For if you abide in me and my Word abides in you, John 15, you ask what you will. Why? Because if the Word is living within you, you're going to begin to become sensitive to the will of God. You're going to see specific things in the Word that are personal promises that you can claim. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You're going to be yielding to the will of God. Abiding in Christ means that He is the King of your soul. He is the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. You're going to give heed to what He has to say. You're not going to let what He said slip. The Bible said we need to give the more earnest heed. Pay more strict attention to what He has said, lest at any time we let it slip. I looked up that word slip in the Greek, and it means there's a ship that is headed for a port to unload its cargo or take on cargo or both. But instead of coming into port, it sails obliviously by the port. It doesn't unload cargo. It doesn't receive any cargo. It is a ship now without a purpose. It might as well be lost at sea because it can't go into a destination. Can you say man? That's what happens when we hear, but we do not heed the word of God. We let it slip. We do not apply it to our life. On a daily walk in a practical, personal way. But when we do, everything changes. Hallelujah. He wants to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect. In fact, he's looking for those people. I want to become one of those people. I have been instructed to challenge you to become one of those people. God wants you to be an advertisement for his goodness. God wants you and I to be an advertisement for his greatness. And His graciousness. God wants us to represent Him here as His ambassadors upon the earth. Praise God. Hallelujah. God wants you to stand in awe so that you can have an awe. Let all the world stand in awe of Him so that you can say, Ah, Lord God. I want you to try your awe out. You've already got your awe on. Try your awe out. Ah, Lord God. Not just, ah, like you're letting the doctor look at your tonsils. Can you say, man, that just won't. Ah, no, ah, Lord God. That was, I mean, get him in perspective. You made heaven and earth with your outstretched arm. What's going to happen when you reach out to me? What can I expect? When someone says that's that great and says, I'll, this, this hand that created heaven and earth outstretched, 
now is outstretched to me and says, Fear not, I will uphold you with the right hand of God is right-handed. Somebody say, God is right-handed. Can you say amen? I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Normally, I'm left-handed. I'm, you know, a little different from y'all. Well, I'm a lot different sometimes, but I'm talking about dexterity here. Amen. That hand, my, my strength, though, is in my right hand. But but to write, my dexterity is in my left hand. I'm kind of ambidextrous. Is that what they call it? That's right. Amen. I can use either hand, but I can only use the right hand for certain things, the left hand for certain things. Most people are just plain, flat-out right-handed. And God says, my hand of dexterity and my hand of power is what I'm holding you with. In fact, I'm not just holding you. I am up holding you. Let me tell you something about the hand of God while we're in awe, while we're getting our awe on. Jesus said, those my Father has given me. See, no man comes to God to Christ unless the Father draws him. I can preach all day long, but the Holy Spirit has to draw you to Jesus Christ. You can't come when you're ready. You have to come when He calls. Amen. You can't put it off and wait for another day. Uh, that's dangerous. But when you, when you're under that conviction and you feel that pull of God, that's the time to respond to Him. No man comes to me except the Father draw him. But when they do, the Father has given them to Him. Praise God. Amen. And those that my Father has given me. This is not the tear among the wheat. This is not the hypocrite sitting in church. This is the real deal believer that's been born from above. Can you say, man, it is the work of the Holy Spirit and not of a religious organization. Hallelujah. And those that my Father hath given me, no man shall pluck them out of my hand. For the Father that gave them me is greater than them all. Can you say, man, hallelujah, you can turn back, but no one can take you back. You can turn back, but no one can force you to go back. Because he that is in you <laughs> is greater. Woo! I want you to say that. He that is in, within me is greater than he that is within me. That is exactly right. He that is within me, say it with me, he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. Well, who is in the world? The whole world, the Bible said, lieth in wickedness. In the actual Greek, it would read like this. The whole world lies in the influence of the evil one. They're under his direct, distinct influence. But he that is in you, the spirit of truth, is greater than he. Amen. The spirit of deception and the spirit of lies that is in the world. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He said that with a big smile. I wish I had him on camera. Hallelujah. Amen. It's John 8. 30 and 31. If you continue, if you continue, if you continue, if you dare to override your flesh and your emotions, and if you continue in the Word of God, you will know the truth. Not just up here in your head, but right here in your heart. You won't just know it intellectually. You will know it experientially. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I can't wait to get this sermon so I can listen to it for my own soul's sake. Hallelujah. I'm serious. Sometimes I need to go back and... I. So many people got head knowledge. You can quote scripture from your remembrance all day long, but you've not experienced the personal power of it in your life. And God wants you to. Hallelujah. I'm not just preaching from intellectual learning, but from personal experience with God. I'll be 72 in just a few weeks now. January the 20th. If you want to order my Escalade now, it'll be here by then. I don't need an Escalade. I'd worry to death about it while I was in Walmart. Can you say, man? <laughs> Somebody banging my door with their big old pickup door. Buggies running into my Escalade. I always use Escalade. I don't really. You understand me. I'm using analogies here. Hallelujah. I'm so happy to have my wife home that could have died, almost did die, amen, with all the blockages in her heart and sail through that surgery. I'm so glad to have her home. There's no material thing that God could ever offer me, that anyone could ever give me, take the place of that. I'm so glad to not have leukemia, that God healed me when I was eight years of age of leukemia so that I can be here working on my three score and ten. Me and Brother Taylor, I got my three score and two two years into the ten. Hallelujah. And I'm working on it today because God has been faithful to me. Can you say amen? So I'm preaching from something I'm experiencing, not just something I read in the Bible. It's true because it's in the Bible. But when someone has put it into effect in their own personal life and walk, you can preach with more conviction than even the truth of Scripture. Because you're experiencing it. Hallelujah. Is it okay if God wants you to experience victory this coming year? Is it okay with you that God wants you to be a peculiar person? Not in the sense of being weird and all of that nonsense, but being peculiar in the sense that he said, my, he said I, will, I will make you unto ancient Israel. And this is what he says to people that have a covenant with him. I will make you my peculiar treasure. How did, how did he distinguish Israel from all the other nations and all the other false gods that those nations had? Because God supernaturally moved in their behalf. The enemies around them said of them, Who has a God like their God? Everybody say he distinguished himself by supernaturally protecting and supernaturally providing. I want you to say that again because I feel it. I feel like somebody's going to say it by faith sooner or later that it's absolutely true. Who has a God like our God? No one. So that distinguishes us, doesn't it, as God's people and Him as our God. He starts speaking possessively of Israel when He called them out of Egypt. First time, He, he identified Himself with His covenant people like this. He said, I am the Lord God of Israel. I am the Lord God of Israel. Can you say amen? And all of us who have believed on Him have become spiritually 
Abraham's seed by faith. And according to Galatians, they that are of the household of faith, Jew and Gentile, are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessing of faithful Abraham has come upon them. Can you say that pretty much distinguishes him as our God and that distinguishing us as his people. I expect supernatural intervention, which is simply answer to prayer. Answer to prayer. Everybody say miracle one more time as we get ready to close. A miracle and a wonder. He's a God who does wonders according to the Old Testament. He's a God of majesty. He's a God of grace and greatness. But he's a God that does wonders. He does wonders. He does wonders. He says, return to me, I'll return to you. How do you know if he's back? Because we're going to see the supernatural answers to prayer. Supernatural intervention. Miracle is defined this way in, in the most comprehensive but simplest terms. You can read larger explanations, but no, none better. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the normal course of human affairs. Someone was arguing with me the other day, and it happened to be a minister. I don't like to argue with ministers, especially when it's an argument over the truth of the word. You know, we should come into some kind of agreement that the Bible is true at least, you know, fundamentally true. But it just didn't believe that God healed today. And I said, well, you, where do you find that in the word of God? Where do you find Jesus not the same? Where do you find God changing dispensation? But God is God, and he always will be God, the song says. Hallelujah. So he was saying God doesn't heal today. And I said, well, does he answer prayer? Oh, yes, he answers prayer. I said, well, wait a minute. If he answers prayer, but he doesn't heal, that's an exception I said, what do you do with the scripture? The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. If you're going to have a prayer answering God, you can't limit him to just building your new sanctuary and sending the money in supernaturally. I'm going to tell you something. God is more interested in his temple than your church. I didn't tell him that. I just thought it. Amen. His temple is not your church. That's your, that's your symbol of success. The great success, the great achievement of the cross is that God, the God of heaven and the God of the universe, can come and live within His children. And your body becomes the temple. Actually, the church is where the temple comes to worship. <laughs> Hallelujah. You didn't hear me. I said the church is where the temple comes to worship. And the reason that he's in here is because we're in here. It's not because he said, well, if I see two or more, I'm going to come down. There. No, when two or more gather, he's here because we brought him in with us. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll come within you and he will abide with you for." Ever can you say man? So I know God is here because I'm here. I'm not God, but He came in me, and therefore He came with me. 
How do you know that God is with you in that deep valley when your emotions are, are so frayed and you're afraid? I know He's with me because He's in me. And He said, once He came in me, I will never leave you nor forsake you in the actual Greek. It's never, no, never. It's reiterated in the Greek. It's never, no, never. In fact, one uh, scholar of grammar while studying theology said it is to the fifth to the fifth case, it's the fifth, it would read this way. I will never, no, never, 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 never. When God says something and reiterates it and reiterates it and reiterates it, he knows that in our humanity and in our weak flesh and in our emotional state that we can get in through circumstances, that we're going to doubt his presence when we can't see it or feel it. And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Faith in what? In the word of God that declares a truth that should transcend and supersede our feelings and our emotions. Praise God. Because all scripture is God breathed. So since we got our awe on, let's get our awe on before we leave here today. Ah, Lord God. Come on, there's no tongue depressor on you. Can you say, man? Come on, the doctor's not looking at your tonsils. No, and he wasn't looking at Jeremiah's. Jeremiah was looking past this old world, past the circumstances in Israel, and saying, Lord, you're too big. You're too great. You're so mighty. Oh, hallelujah. Ah, Lord God. God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth with thine outstretched hand, and there is nothing. There is absolutely nothing too hard for you. Hallelujah. I will not limit the Holy One of Israel, regardless of the circumstances. Can you say amen? So the devil knows that he can't stop God. And the Devil knows that God won't let circumstances stop him because nothing is impossible with him. But the devil knows who can limit him. And that's why he attacks us in our mind and through circumstances. Amen. We have a great enemy in Satan, someone said, but we have a greater ally in Jesus Christ. And he that's in us is always greater than he that is in the world. But we have to take God at his word. Somebody in here needs to start praising him before you see any change or feel any difference. It'll chase doubt away. Satan hates praise. Somebody said if Satan, if, if praise makes the devil nervous, and it does because it's the language of faith. Praise is part of the language of faith. Amen. So if praise makes the devil nervous, we ought to give him a nervous breakdown. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise in this room. Who, whoso offers him praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation, that means his behavior. Can you say man? You say, Brother Venable, I, I, I'm not used to praising God before I see an answer. Well, get used to it. Retrain your, be renewed in the spirit of your what? Your mind. Hallelujah. Mind is not only a terrible thing to waste. Mind is a terrible 
enemy against your faith if you just try to figure it all out intellectually and not do what God asked you to. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, not your head, and lean not. Everybody's got a head, point at it. Almost a hundred percent. We're praying for the rest of you. Can you say amen? Lean not to your own understanding. How many use a microwave? You remember when you first got your, I got a microwave before they were, you know, a bunch of them around. And they were talking about some kind of cooking with radiation. I thought of nuclear fallout. And I'm walking around my microwave like, you know, my dog walks around a possum. What in the world is that? I'm, I don't, it's got teeth. I don't know where to bite it. I don't know if it'll bite me back if I do. We got a possum in our backyard that he has killed three times. Because he run out and grabbed that possum. That possum, he flops over like he's dead. It's not, that's where they got the term playing possum. He's a thrice dead possum. I mean, he likes him now. He don't even bother killing him anymore because he thought, I've killed him three times. It ain't fun killing that thing. (laughs) He don't run. He don't squeal. He just lets me kill him. I'm dead. I'm dead. Don't shake me. Don't bite me any further because I'm dead. I looked at that microwave and I thought, I don't understand how this thing works, but I heard the word radiation. I better not. Get too close to it. And when I get through, and I'm going to use my terms, when I get through cooking my tater, that's a potato since you live in Tampa and I live in Plant City. It's a tater in Plant City. You city folk eat banana pudding, I eat nanner pudding. So, you know, it's all the same, but you just call it different things. This, is, this has been one of the greatest challenges to me personally and ministerially. It's to get God's people to the place of faith. That we could take Him at His word. Give Him praise for His faithfulness. See His victories in our life. And bring honor and glory to His name. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Psalm 50, last verse. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me and to him that orders his com- orders his conversation aright to him i will show the salvation or i.e. in effect the deliverance of god god's answer god coming through god delivering god setting free god supernaturally intervening Amen. hallelujah and when that happens incredible things occur But there is what I call a law of faith. The reason I call it that is because without there being a direct scripture, it is a scriptural statement because God asks for faith before he moves. Lest there be in any of you, Hebrews, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt went into the promised land. You can't give him glory in Egypt's bondage. You can't give him glory short of the promised land. Can you say, man, if you're still wondering somewhere between Egypt 
and Canaan, God wants you to cross over. (laughs) Because until you cross over, you will be tempted to do what they did, and that's murmur and complain about God being unfaithful instead of recognizing our faithlessness. It's easier to call God unfaithful than it is to acknowledge our faithlessness. Sometimes I have a real battle believing. You wouldn't think that after all these years, but my flesh is just like your flesh. And in my flesh, Paul said, there is no good thing. And in order to believe, I have to crucify the flesh. It's not just in order not to smoke or drink or look at some R-rated movie. In, in, order, in order to believe God, I have to crucify the flesh. Because the flesh part of me, the five physical senses, tell me everything about the physical world. But tell me nothing about the realm of the spirit. But thank God for the sixth sense. Your spirit, deep calls to deep. And in my spirit and yours, we can have fellowship with God. We can believe God. We can receive from God. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this service so far today? Are we headed in the right direction? Praise God. All that and we didn't even receive an offering yet. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so good today. I want to do that song in closing. Wonders to perform. God is here. God is here. God is here. Where two or more of you gather together in my name, there am I. There am I. So let's get God out of the distant heavens, far above, aloof in his heaven. And let's get God in proper perspective. He's not only here in this room with us. He's right there with you in your trials and in your testings. He loves you. He's made a personal promise when you walk through the valleys. He said, you don't have to fear any evil because I am with you. Can you say, man, I will never, no, never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. But I will go with you. God is going with Brother Taylor through this trial. God went with my wife into the operating room for the bypass surgery and he brought her through praise god he brought her through with such a blessing upon the surgical procedure that the surgeon was giddy when he talked to me about the success of it he was giddy and when a surgeon is giddy he had help (laughs) Can you say amen? That means God blessed him to be a blessing because they're normally pretty grim. They don't want to get your hopes up and somebody croak on them. Can you say amen and then then blame them? No, he was giddy. He said the surgery was perfect. The heart is perfect. The valves are perfect. The bypass is perfect. And I said, well, doctor, I thank God and I thank you. I've had her for 50 Five years as my wife. And I would like to keep her a little while longer. And he said, well, sir, she should be good for another 50 years. (laughs) Hallelujah. And I thought, you know he had some help. 
Now that was an exaggeration, but the giddiness because of the success meant that God chose to not keep Pamela from, but to take her through. But he took her through in such a way that the doctor knew and we knew, and I'm telling you, amen, that God was with her every step of the way. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm, uh, oh, see, there are some of you that haven't been kept from because God wants to take you through. It takes more faith to trust him through something than to believe him to take you from something. In fact, if he's determined to teach you by taking you through, all the faith in the world won't keep you from. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, nobody would have heard of them if he didn't take them through the fiery furnace. But because he delivered them in the furnace and not from the fire, and they came out without what? Without the smell of smoke. Man, if you're in a fire that hot, you're going to smell some singed eyebrows, singed hair, smoky clothes. They, his deliverance is so absolute. Ah, Lord God. And you know what? It changed everything in that place. That king said, these false gods that I told everybody to worship and I was told to have everybody worship, tear them down. And when you hear the sound of the instruments, the call to worship, worship the God of Shadrach. Worship the God of Meshach. Worship the God of Abednego. Because that's the true and living God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm about to shout, so get your earmuffs on. Glory be to God. God is here. When the nations around them saw God distinguish himself as the God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, then they begin to say of Israel who was distinguished as the covenant children of Almighty God, who has a God like their God, a God so nigh them in all that they call upon him for. Can you say, man, it was that God who heard and answered prayer, who supernaturally intervened, a man that distinguished himself as the true and the living God. He said every other God that man has made and the idols they have made, they got eyes that can't see. They got ears that can't hear. And they got arms that can't reach and help. But he said the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. And his hand is not short that it cannot save. Hallelujah. The only thing that separates us from that mighty help from God is sin. And when the sin issue is settled at the cross and we're washed in the blood of Jesus, there's nothing to keep God from helping us, from blessing us, from hearing us, and from supernaturally intervening in our behalf. And all things are possible with God and all things are possible to Him that believeth. And if thou would believe, Jesus said at the tomb, of Lazarus if you would believe if you would believe and you'd act on that faith by I'm not asking you to raise the dead I'm not asking you to do the supernatural I'm asking you to do the natural by faith so I can do the supernatural all I want you to do is roll the stone away and of course the flesh listen argument argument three days dead in a tomb you know what pew they said Lord 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 you sure? You sure? By now he stinketh. 
And Jesus said, Did not I say unto you, if you would believe, by doing what? Acting on the Word, something you and I can do anytime we choose to do it, you'll see the glory of God. Can you say, man, not a, not fire, not a big light, but you will see the supernatural acts of God visibly. Hallelujah. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll show you great and mighty things which you know not. Can you say, man, you'll see things you've never seen before when God is not limited and he's free to move because we begin to act on his word and release our faith by simply acting on his word. Praise God. Oh, I could preach again. Don't get me started. Not another amen, please. Hallelujah. And you know what the biggest amen was when I said, not another amen, or I'll preach again. And everybody said, amen. No, I'm just, you've been a wonderful audience. I'm happy today. I'm happy because happy. I'm not happy because of happenings. This is a dangerous world, a perilous time. The falling away is here. The false prophets are in the land. But I'm happy because Jesus is coming soon. And I'm not happy because of happenings in a fallen world and faulty bodies, but I'm happy because of having God's help in spite of it all. Happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Hallelujah. And I'm here with help today from above. I'm not standing in my strength. Hallelujah. Apart from him, I can do nothing. But with him, there's nothing I can't do. I can do all things through Jesus Christ, which strengtheneth me. Praise God. Will you stand your feet? You've been a wonderful audience. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you glad you came to church today in this busy holiday season? Hallelujah. We're glad you came today. Thank you, brother, for helping me preach. I'm going to depend on you when you come to... I, I get, I get to, Willie usually helps me out. Amen. And, and I look to somebody and Brother Taylor is usually sitting right here and I'll start a scripture and he'll finish it. I was going to get around to it, but it, it may be a long way around getting back to it. So I, I need a little help. I love it when people finish a scripture for me. I love it because I know that I'm, I'm in a church with people of the word. I'm in a church, therefore, with people of faith, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we want to have a reputation. We want to, we want to be distinguished from all the people. You said unto ancient Israel, and therefore to everyone who has a covenant with you, coming all the way into the new covenant. You said, I will, I will, I will make you different. I will make you peculiar. You'll be my peculiar treasure above all the peoples of the earth. He would distinguish you. And the way he did it was the way he provided and the way he protected them. Can you say, man, hallelujah? Who has a God like our God so that the world may say, who has a God like their God? A God so nigh them in all that they call upon him for. That's what connotates in so many places in the scripture. Father, we want to glorify you. We offer praise. And listen, before you read the last verse of Psalm 50, whether I've been quoting, the 15th verse brings us to that last verse and puts it in context. It starts out by saying, give thanks to me. All of the offerings that I prescribe mean nothing without gratitude in the heart. 
So if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. If you think you're satisfying a need in me by offering that ox that I told you to or that bullock on the altar. If I was hungry, Psalm 50, I wouldn't tell you for I'll own the cattle of a thousand hills. But offer unto the Lord thanksgiving. The sacrifice of praise. Can you say, man, isn't that something? It's not just a New Testament thing. It's what God has desired all along. Offer unto the Lord thanksgiving context and call on me. After you do that, call on me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. And it's not when you start praising him. It's when you get delivered. You bring, listen, when I got healed of cancer, God got the glory. And when you get delivered, He's going to get the glory. And He's going to be known as a faithful, heavenly Father. And you're going to be distinguished as one of His kids. And He's going to be distinguished as the true and living God. It's a win-win when your prayer is answered. It's a win-win when God is able to help you and me. Can you say, man, it's a win-win. We get the help, He gets the glory. It don't get any better than that. Hallelujah. Well, that's another sermon. No more amens. How many can obey this scripture out of Nehemiah chapter 8? Go and eat the fat. Drink the sweet. Go celebrate, in other words, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you say, man, how many can obey that?